You're listening to Very Loose Women. listeners and welcome to tonight's Very Loose Women. Um, you're listening to me, Soyla, and my fellow presenters, Leo. Hi. And Catherine. Good evening. And it's actually the first time it's just been the three of us in the studio. Yeah. Is it? Surely not. Well, I guess we've had guests or... We've had some great guests on recently. It's the we beginning have. of us as a trio. <gasps> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, before we dive into tonight's discussion, um, Leo and Catherine, as with every week, do you have a frustration slash gripe? Ooh, what was or that a celebration? Again? Tell me that again. Frustration or a celebration? <laughs> if Emma's listening, which she definitely isn't, um, well, looks like gripe has become a frustration. Emma, how do you feel about that? Emma, former show co-host who uh, came up with the gripe segment. Well, the reign uh, of Soiler is here. The reign of Soiler has begun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Brussels tomorrow morning, which I'm really excited about. Are you? Yeah, and I booked on Eurostar Snap. Um, What's I, that? I would say other companies are available, but they literally aren't. Yeah. So <laughs> it's literally the only way to get from England to Belgium on a train. So anyway, I booked a Eurostar Snap ticket, which is like, it's a cheaper ticket where you book like in advance you don't know which train you're on until 48 hours before and so I was waiting in my inbox like why haven't I got this email about which train I'm on turns out when I booked it they'd refused my payment they just never told me so I thought that Ooh. I had a ticket so I contacted them like no I booked the hotel this is so this is terrible like I was like this I was very much overplaying it so they'd do something about it you did a, you went a little bit French were you I had a small meltdown on the phone okay and then really lovely person uh, on the customer service on the Facebook group, because mm-hmm. obviously Twitter, Facebook, I was on it. Um, <laughs> she got me a ticket, which is worth 750 or something pounds. Um, so I'm traveling like first class return, um, just like, cause, you know, to make up for this terrible mistake, which really could have been mine, but I'm not quite sure. I hope they're not listening to this <laughs> and about to revoke. <laughs> no, well, excellent service. I thoroughly recommend your stuff snap. So, so please don't revoke frustration. my ticket. That truly became a celebration. Yeah, or will be. You know later. what? Because last time I booked a Eurostar Snap, a very similar thing happened. I was I was more stupid. I think the stupidity lay more in my arena on that one. And they also booked a wonderful ticket for me, like where I knew weeks in advance which train I was on. It's worth it every time. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but do you have do you have anything to offer, Catherine? Um, I think my my main frustration is that. Um, having had a few false alarms, winter just isn't really here yet, is it? It no. was unseasonably warm today. I, I don't think that's a gripe. I, I, w- <laughs> I would celebrate okay. that. I enjoy the summer, but I mentally have prepared myself for the winter. I'm wearing a cashmere jumper. I'm so hot. It's, I've been so nice jumper, hot though. all day. I had my coat on and a scarf. It was a look. I wasn't going to... What was I going to do with the scarf? Just put it in my handbag and not wear it. I'd made the effort to get it out of the bottom of my wardrobe. I even have gloves in my bag. They're not getting worn. And 
I love this time of year where there's conkers and things like that and you know it's bonfire night and all the rest of it and I've got a really nice fake fur coat which I'm just dying to get out and it is too flipping hot and I can't wear any of the clothes I want to wear and it's just it's stressing me out I don't want to bring the summer wardrobe back out again I've cleaned everything and put it at the back of the wardrobe, I had a huge clear out. I'm very anal about this kind of thing in my house. And you now it's have, just all going to pot. Why don't you have a, a transition period where you've got like a couple of clothes in case it's a bit warm? I've already done that wearing the trench coat for about a month. And okay. now I've gone to the winter coat. I don't oh, feel like okay. I can go back again. I'm, w- I'm waiting for the next phase, which is the fake fur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, it is stressing me out. I like, didn't is know, it winter like, or autumn? In this gradation of coats, I didn't know this was... Because I have my, what my girlfriend likes to call my communist jacket. And then... Because <laughs> it, it, it's like the sort of... The style is... It's actually a French farmer's jacket, uh, which has been thoroughly ripped off by these current fashion brands. But mine is, I'm very pleased to say, an original. But um, And then I have this like former motorcycle jacket where I've taken out the padding, which is just a very warm winter coat. Those are my two coats. If it's hot then I wear the communist jacket. And if it's not hot, then I wear the winter coat, which is what I'm currently on. I've got an autumnal theme going on. I've yeah, got, I don't have you know, that. kind of red cashmere jumper, red nails. I've started wearing the red lipstick. I don't want to go back to wearing a floral summer dress. People are walking around without tights on. It's that hot. Well, I'm going to talk about my celebration. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it um, I actually saw one of our lovely friends who's also listening to the show, Flora. Hi, oh, Flora. Is she listening? Hi, she Flora. Thinks so. Thanks so much. Um, and I saw her today, which was a celebration because I love seeing her. And um, I went to a predominantly vegan restaurant called Mildred's, yeah. which I've... Look at all of our consumer-themed gripes and celebrations. very <laughs> consumer-themed. But I've never tried it before. And I had a, a beetroot burger, mm. um, and uh, I loved it. So, um, well done, Mildred's. Well done. Also, well done. a recommendation. Where is this wonderful Mildred's? Um, this one was in Kings Cross, but I think they also have um, one in South Ken, where I used to work. I remember is it. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's one in like uh, Camden and Dalston. I, I think I've been to the. Is it by the lock? I've, I've definitely I, I been don't to know. a vegan restaurant. I went to the Kings okay. Cross one. Other vegan restaurants are available. They are, as as Emma would say. Um, I think we should jump into tonight's topic. What is tonight's topic, Swither? Well, if you if you have keen ears, then you will know that the song we played um, as our intro is called Midnight City. It's by a French band called M83. But it's also the opening um, song played on Channel 4's Made in Chelsea, which is about the lives of... Um, West London's posh elite um, young people. Um, <laughs> Have you seen it? I haven't. Has I, anyone here seen it? Um, yeah, admittedly. I, really? <gasps> Sorry, you haven't. <laughs> there was this. There was actually this thing which we had. I went to. Um, I'll talk about this later. But I went to a university which was a um, a private university, and I was there on a scholarship. And there weren't many of us kind of state school folk there. Um, but it seemed to be one of the things where among us, um, the very few members of us um, that were there, we used to watch Made in Chelsea as kind of like a uh, a joke kind of thing. But I got very into it. You just, you learned to love it, didn't you? I just you? loved it. I, I loved seeing it. these people who were posh also having like emotional breakdowns. 
Is that is that what happens in the show? Like, posh people have emotional like they're all like their strap line. <laughs> posh people with emotional strap they line. They have um, just the same kind of emotional torments yeah. as we do. Well, I'm sure. Um, so we are talking about class this yeah. week. Um, and we're going to talk about experiences. And this was inspired by a moment on last week's show when I briefly mentioned that I went to a state school. And our guest, um, Jade Adams, who was a, a wonderful guest, um, she gave me a high five over our shared experience. Um, which is obviously great for radio. Which is great for radio. But it was the f- it was the first time that I think I've ever had a high five for being at, coming from a state school. And it made me think, you know... Um, I've not really experienced any moments of like pride in my class and I'd say I was working class um, and I'm not saying that education is necessarily a strict indicator of class um, as we will go on to talk about but it does have some connotations behind it and following that explanation of my thought process um, fellow very loose women um, what are your experiences with class um, but what kind of class do you think you are in the kind of typical working middle upper? And then I'll I'll say something else. Yeah, because we did do that BBC quiz before the show, um, which kind of splits you up into different middle classes. I am a complicated one. I think as everyone is, because no one is, I think very few people now are identify strongly as one or the other or mm. the third. Um, <laughs> that was an <laughs> ungraceful way to say that. But there are different factors like paying for tuition or financial matters that mm. I think change it. And I think that's where my story comes a little bit complicated. My dad, uh, he he used to have a lot of money. And then when I was about six or seven, like lost it all very suddenly. So that's had an impact on like my education in mm. terms of like, not, I'm not saying good or bad, but in terms of which school I was in, it very immediately impacted that. So I went to like a very, very expensive um, like kindergarten, which is quite strange. Um, and and then I left that school when I was about seven, uh, and I went to this school in Paris, which was is this thing that you have in France called um, private under contract with the state. So like uh, you don't really have that relationship in the UK with state and private. Um, so in, in France, you get a system where schooling actually doesn't, if like st- the state schools, the state schools in Paris and central Paris are actually the best schools in the country. So if you go mm. to say Henri IV, which is like in the central Paris, that's like the equivalent of going to Eton here, but it's a free school. Interesting. But, but you live, because you live near it, you get to go to that one. And okay. so it's just, the paying schools are usually faith ones and it's not a class indicator at all. So when I got to university in the UK, um, I was very surprised. I didn't really understand what that meant. And I didn't really understand like why people were talking about what sort of school they went to because it was actually yeah. quite a new thing to me and I didn't really like n- know what was cool and not cool. Mm. So I would say that my family is kind of as it is now. It's a very middle class family. Um, my parents, they had, had that thing which now um, I think the government wants maybe to bring back where... They passed the 11 plus and went to grammar school and very quickly in the space of a few years went from being um, one type of person to changing quite a lot to relatively to their background. So my dad, for example, he's from very working class background. He grew up in like a two up, two down in Belfast in quite a rough area of Belfast, which is another story altogether. Um, And no one had been to university. 
people didn't even have a trade in his family because they started working so soon. So there weren't skilled workers. Um, and I think my my gran was at home and she worked as a cleaner. And then my uh, grandfather worked in a bar in a storeroom in a factory. He couldn't do the machinery or anything like that. Um, so my dad passed his 11 plus, ended up going to this school, which was, you know, a very good school, ended up going to university when hardly anyone else did and kind of led this very different life and moved away. And kind of what came with that, um, fairly similar to my mum's um, background as well, is that they became these kind of upwardly mobile, very professional people um, who had that real, um, they had that experience of growing up and not necessarily having that much, but not being kind of from the poorest families. Um, and a lot of that sort of hard work and opportunity came from that mindset of we're from a slightly poor background, so we're going to work and try hard. And it was that very aspirational kind of thing. Um, and I think they very much wanted um, me and my brother to have that. But obviously when you come from a more middle-class family, which has like, you know, detached house, I um, mean, you've got like two cars or whatever... I think sometimes I just catch my dad hearing things that me and my brother will say, like, you know, um, living in London, especially people eat out a lot. Mm. Uh, you buy coffee on your way to work without even thinking about it. And he just has this look on his face of absolute disgust. And I think he's kind of realised that to a certain extent, those working class values that I think my dad especially still has even though he comes across as, if you met him, he speaks in like received pronunciation that he got taught at school and stuff. He has very working class values about what you should spend money on, what you shouldn't do. And I think we're slightly more removed from that. Um, but in a way, that's been quite good because I don't think that my parents tried to kid anyone and keep saying, yeah, you know, I'm still working class or whatever. And I don't think that either of them are very romanticised where they're from either. I think they mm. would say, actually, it can be good to be outward looking. And I don't think they're embarrassed to say we've become middle class. And there are people out there who are very kind of, they don't like to admit to the fact that they've changed and they're not always going to be the same person they were when they were younger. So that kind of came through with me. Um but, you know, myself, I think I've just got all the trappings of being middle class. Have you ever felt pride of being middle? I know it's it might be one of those contested subjects where um, people who are maybe upper middle class feel slightly embarrassed to admit that. Mm. Um, do you get yeah. that? Um, I think there's there's definitely, as we were talking about before, it's very unusual to have someone who's, completely one one way or the other and we definitely didn't have that much money when I was growing up for quite a long time and then kind of my parents got more successful in their careers so and I think growing up I was always aware that there were people who were really kind of much less fortunate than me but when I went to university you know Leah and I went to university together there were people there who they were just a different league and they wouldn't see me as being from even a particularly kind of you know privileged background because I I didn't have a horse growing up I didn't go to private school I went to a failing state school which again there are people who would have less um, financial resources than me or live somewhere else but they would have the pick of amazing state schools in that sense I think some of those experiences meant that actually the education I had and the rest of it there was a lot of um, difficulty there as well 
and I don't feel pride in kind of where I've happened to be born or anything like that or the kind of like class that I'm from but I definitely feel proud of the fact that I went through a state school system which was at the time for me really failing and a lot of the success that I had later on in my academic side it wasn't because I was being intensively tutored it wasn't because my parents were throwing money at the situation it was because I really had to decide to motivate myself and I had teachers that really worked with me um but you know where where you're from you can't help it's like saying you're proud of being British I'm not proud yeah. to be British but there are things I like about it and there are definitely things that I like about the very middle class life that I lead now, but also the more kind of traditional elements that come in through my parents and grandparents as well. Leo, have you ever had any stereotypical experiences um, in terms of your class or um, funny moments where you thought, oh, my God, I can't believe this is me? Well, in terms of what I've done. I mean, yeah, I mean, the other day I tweeted at m and <laughs> <laughs> okay. where is your gluten-free vegetarian sandwich? <laughs> I haven't seen it on the shelves for three weeks. I liked that tweet. Did you see <laughs> I, I clicked did. the little heart? I did see that you liked it. Um, I think that that, uh, in retrospect, is sort of peak middle class. I, I'd say okay. that, like, it was a very public display of my middle classdom that I'm, one, prepared to buy m and sandwiches for lunch, and two, that those are, they're, like... I said this a lot, but mm. I will wake up dreaming about that rap. <laughs> there are very few like gluten-free wraps dreams. out there, <laughs> and 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 I'm celiac, and so having a gluten-free and I'm vegetarian, it's just very rare that there's food out there that I'm allowed to eat. But food out there that I'm allowed to eat that I find literally delicious is very rare. So the fact that it had t- been taken off the shelves, I went in about seven M and S's in the space of a week to find the sandwich, yeah. and I just couldn't <laughs> find it. Um, yeah, so I tweeted them. I'd say, yeah, that was... Did they answer you? They did. Yeah, they said that they are... You know what? Go this on. Is, this is... This, <laughs> like, all respect to you, Emma. Face is going red. But like, <laughs> but, like, this keeps happening where I get really into a manufactured food product, like the sandwich, um, and then they, they said that they were they were improving it. You can't improve it. It was perfection. And I'm actually quite angry that they've taken it off the shelves to change the recipe because they did this to fridge fudge brownie milkshakes. <gasps> I know. And they used to be the best drink ever. And then... And then they... They made off, it more healthy. They took sugar out of it. And so I had a whole rant with them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the Your last middle class version. It's disgusting. And then... Uh, yeah, and then, and then they said... And then I realised that loads of, like, sugar campaigners, like, we shouldn't have a sugar ca- tax campaigners, were, like, yelling at Fridge. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not one of them. No, no, it's, it's, it's really good that you've done that. It's really good that you've taken the sugar content out. I'm really sorry. And they were like, no need to apologise for how much you love our milkshakes. <laughs> I mean, I've never really had a moment like that. Um, <laughs> you've become one of those people that rants. You know, like, you need to write into points of view and stuff. Yeah, I need more Twitter followers. Um, and my journalism career really needs to take off so that these rants, like, like go up in the estimation of the companies that I rant at and I get more freebies from them. What's your personal Twitter, Leo? Uh, good. Very, an excellent plug there, Soyla. It's at Leo underscore S-H-E-E-K, chic. So our listeners can follow you personally. Oh, if you follow me, for... then it means that when I tweet M&S and Fridge about my dietary concerns... <laughs> has more impact i have this constant thing where people meet me like really posh people meet me and they seem to think i'm one of them 
And I don't know, I think it's the voice, it's, it's a lot of things. But I get chatting to people, I'm like, oh yeah, I like horse riding too. And then immediately it's like, oh, do you have horses? Like, do you, do you want to come skiing? And I'm like, I can't ski. Like, I've never been skiing. See, that is one thing. It might be a French thing, though. I don't know. But that is one thing where my dad has been really insistent that I know how to ski very well. Yeah, it's like <laughs> skiing, playing tennis, I got like horse riding. They're all in Can that do. kind of bracket of posh things to do. Yeah. But people meet me and they start kind of talking. And often I've met people and we've had a chat and then they've kind of said, oh, yeah, so which school did you go to? I and it's, but it's, it's the thing where... They're not just asking, where did you go to school? What was your school like? It's, I know that you're, I, or I assume you were in my wider network. And if you say one of the top schools in London, you probably went there or whatever. And I'm like, Longsley Community College. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to, I went to a university called New College of the Humanities on a scholarship. And people would come to me when I first went. They were like, oh, yeah, so what school did you go to? And I'd be like, um, Rice at Pie. And they're like, oh, where's that? And I'm like, just... In Royslip? West London? <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay. And then it's just dead. The conversation's yeah. over then. It's that sense you can tell there's a bit of um, disappointment. But it seems to keep happening to me. And I think having yeah, had that no experience... no one's asked of, me what school I went to. It must be really? the slightly foreign accent. Yeah. I think when, like, going through the school system, I do think that because, you know, um, we Leo and I went to Oxford and obviously, even though our college was relatively um there were quite a few state school students and stuff they're just I think I came out of it and my already sort of like quite posh accent just went up a notch Mm. and living in London all my like not vaguely northern sounding A's They've all gone. No, you say long class in a way that doesn't sound like me. You say I class. keep moving yeah. between certain words. I've become linguistically confused in my accent. Um, I never really had a massive Leicester accent, but again, like that, the voice thing. I think that is one of the things that people they hear first yeah. and really define you. And mine has become a generic sort of like southeast home counties. Voice. You see, my accent changes depending on whether I've where I've been and who I've been with. So I would come home from, from university and then start speaking, you know, s- dropping letters and, and sounds and my family would be like, where's that nice accent gone? Where's it gone? Um, but I actually wanted to ask if... Um, we did a BBC quiz before the show and we had some interesting results, but I made my own quiz um, inspired Let's by... Let's hear it. Let's inspired hear it. by your yeah. Are You a Londoner quiz and this is called... Um, <laughs> Were you made in Chelsea? Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to ask three questions, and this will 100% determine what class you are. Right. Yeah. Um, first question. You're having toast for breakfast. What kind of bread are you serving your avocado on? Well, I'm celiac, so I know that none of these will apply. Okay, well, A, unbranded white. Mm. B, rye. Or C, sourdough. If, if, I, if it's my preference... And I think I've got all three in my cupboard at the moment, yeah. tragically, from Ocado. So make of that what you will. But my preference is always um, white bread. Okay, Leo. Oh, you're gluten-free. Yeah, I I haven't had any of those breads in, a, well, literally 15 years. Okay, well... Um yeah, but I, I have to D. say D there. <laughs> yeah. The gluten-free option. Um, question two. Oh, I, mine would be in branded right, by the way. Oh, good, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. It's just delicious. It's, it's so delicious. It's all that unhealthy yeah. stuff that, that it, we love. Yeah, love it. Um, question two, what's your opinion of Danny Dyer 
A, working class hero. She doesn't know who he is. B, he needs to come with subtitles. Or C, who? Okay, so two things. One, who. But two... When I watch First Dates, which is one of my favourite shows, my girlfriend always makes fun of me because I have to put the subtitles on. <laughs> but I honestly think that it's because I haven't had enough exposure to a variety of England accents and Scotland and Wales. <laughs> like, do you still not know who Daddy Dyer is? No, I don't. Okay, I well, Can I, well, I'm going to say D because none of those are right. Anyone Excuse who's seen me? Who Do You Think You Are knows that he is royalty. In like his great 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 Come great, great it's grandfather the best thing ever. Yeah, I'm gonna say okay, working class hero. I think he's a working class. I love maybe him. I love Danny Dyer so much. Maybe not heroes might not be the best word. He's toe rag. Hero. He's a bit hero. of a one. Isn't um, he? For Leo and those who don't know who Danny Dyer is, he's a. a Wonderful Oscar worthy actor on EastEnders. Oh, it's EastEnders. <laughs> okay. um, three, what's the proper pronunciation of? I'm going to say it's a so it's a tube station. I'm going to say how I pronounce it and then I'm yeah. going to need the options. So, Maribyrn, and I can see the faces in the studio A, Maribyrn, <laughs> B, Marlebone. <laughs> Yeah. C, Marylebone. Well, I definitely have always said B and I don't know why. Marylebone. Yeah, I've always said Marylebone. What about you? I mean, I really thought it was Marylebone, but I've heard people say Marylebone. Literally never heard Marylebone. And I'm like Marylebone It's like people in my, that say whole, whole, I can't even, I can't even do it. Holborn. Whole, Holborn. And it's, it's Hoban, but people pronounce the L. Holborn. Holborn. They say Hol, Holborn. Oh, I, I see. I well, how do you do say, it. do you say Almond or Almond? Almond. almond. Interesting. What do you say? I say it's almond, but my dad is like almond. Ah. So um, anyway, I'm on the fence. So you're you're if you got most lays, you're a prole. And as a <laughs> is it okay to say prole? Is that okay? Well, as a side note, when I first read 1984, which is George Orwell's masterpiece, um, I didn't know that prole meant proletariat, and it was the most shameful kind of left wing moment of my entire life. Which actually reminds me of um, a friend of mine who, all throughout school, she would get called a, um, <laughs> she would get called a pleb by people as an insult at her oh school dear. all the time. And she was telling me this, saying, "Oh, everyone called me a pleb at school." We were discussing whether it's an offensive term or not, and she goes, "But you know, it just it just means pube, doesn't it? So who cares?" <laughs> It's like, Jen, no, they're trying to say that you're like, like a prole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, if you've got most lays, you're a prole or working class. That's definitive. That is what you are. <laughs> Mostly bees, you're on the fence. There is no middle class in this very loose women's society we have here. I'm on the fence. And um, most C's, you were made in Chelsea. So is it actually Mary Lavon then? Is I've that got what no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have run out of time unfortunately on Very Loose Women's Day um, thank you for tuning in to tonight listeners as ever you can follow us on Twitter at very oh, at VLW Radio on Facebook which is just Very Loose Women um, and find previous episodes of our podcast over on iTunes and Acast we recently hit over 500,000 no 50,000 50,000 listens so thank you all for your support comment rate subscribe yep um, we're going to go into um, Blur's Girls and Boys. Um, thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night. Bye.